0: I'm your host, Dr. Daniel Bynus, and I'm joined by my co-host, Dr. Katie Elson. And today, we're going to be talking about grief in the pandemic era. So, Dr. Katie, thank you so much for joining today and uh, being part of this podcast and really giving us enlightenment on this really important topic.
1: Yes, I'm glad to be here and so excited (laughs) to talk about grief.
0: (laughs) Yes. So, I want to start by talking about general stressors when we're thinking about COVID and the pandemic and everything that people are going through. What are some of the general stressors that maybe you've experienced or you've seen patients experience um, in, in general?
1: Yeah. So it's been going on for so long that you could think about different stressors at different time points. So I know in the very beginning, um, a big major stressor was a loss of structure. And I could even attest to that, that when I was pulled out of my job for two weeks, I wasn't able to sleep well and just because of the routine of life um, was disrupted. So there's the loss of structure and routine. um, And that includes also loss of um, certain celebrations or certain um, events that we typically take place in or graduation, celebrations, birthdays, even Christmas, Thanksgiving Um, especially during the earlier parts of the pandemic and the quarantine.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of changes that have been going on. And I know when I talk with people in general, they say that change is always difficult. No one really likes change for the most part. I guess there's some people that say they do, but (laughs) most people really struggle with change. And it just seems like from one day to the next, you never quite know what's going to happen next. And I mm-hmm. think that is really keeping people on, walk, like walking on eggshells, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, when's the next shoe going to drop? And I think that's been a big, big stress for people as well. And then, like you said, you know, the, the job changes and, you know, some people have had obviously family members mm-hmm. that have been really sick with COVID or, you know, just other illnesses. And then you compound that with your regular stressors that people are dealing with anyway. Yeah. I mean, I think finances have often, have always been a high on the stress list, but now with COVID, a lot of people with job changes, et cetera, it's been even worse.
1: Yeah. And one of the biggest, I think, stressors have been a loss of connection. Mm. Um, so whether because of the actual physical distancing or certain friendships changed or the loss of connection of um, even having this appearance of connection through social media, but not having the quality connections that you once had.
0: That's a good point. And I've actually worked with a lot of patients over the last year and a half, two years almost, where they're really feeling that sense of just disconnectedness from the world. And it's interesting because as things have actually opened up a little bit more now, people have a, another stress of now, even though they crave that connection, of adapting to reconnecting. Yes. It's like, oh man, I forgot how to socialize or forgot how to be around people. And that can be even an additional stressor.
1: Or who's comfortable now with certain interactions. If I want to hug someone, if I want to uh, give them a fist bump even, what's their comfortability in connecting as well?
0: That's a good point. And should I wear a mask? Should I not wear a mask? I mean, and there's all these social norms that people are like, okay, I don't know what the, what is the new normal now? And Mm -hmm. so all these things become really confusing for people. And, you know, I've had some people are like, oh, even though I want to be out with people, I'm just, I'm not even ready. I, I feel like I need to kind of get a whole new lease on life or way of dealing with society now. And that's, that's stressful.
1: And when you mentioned kind of dealing with society, I think another big stressor is understanding and trying to figure out what is truth, right? With the news and, yes. you know, what is the mainstream society telling me? Um, what can I believe about the virus? What can I believe about the mandates? What can I believe? Fill in the blank.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that makes me even think about when I was, it, it's kind of, I guess at the height of a lot of the stressors where. You had the presidential election going on and you had all these different, um, political stuff plus COVID. It was, and there was a lot of confusion. And I was talking with a lot of patients and a lot of people were spending significant time just like researching and trying to figure out what is going on and Mm -hmm. who do I believe in what. And I noticed myself getting sucked into that. And I realized I was like starting to compulsively check my news app. And I was like, wait a minute, (laughs) this is not good. I need to be careful because I'm getting sucked into like some addictive sort of uh, mentality to my news app. And so I, I had to actually go and be like, okay. I need to practice what I preach. So I deleted my news app and that I had some withdrawals for a few days, but in the end, I actually felt a lot better because I was like, okay, now I can just focus on, you know, what's in front of me instead of worrying so much about what's going on. So of course our topic today is not stressors related to COVID, but it's actually grief in the pandemic era. So how does this, these stressors, how does that relate to our topic today?
1: Yeah. So you would notice if you're listening, we talked a lot about loss of fill in the blank, loss of connection, loss of routine, loss of job certainty, loss of a sense of truth, and even certainty in the sources that we've often turned to for that truth. And so that loss often results in grief and the grieving process, which we typically don't think about when it comes to grief.
0: Yeah, it's interesting when we normally think about grief, Grief, we think about, okay, well, I'm sad and I'm grieved because someone died or maybe a pet died or, you know, but typically what comes up for me is like, yeah, you know, grief, death, right? But you're saying that grief is actually a lot more. Uh, so how would you then define grief?
1: Yeah. So comparing what we typically think of, it's, we think it's just an emotion, right? An emotional response to the death of a loss of a loss of a loved one,
0: mm-hmm. a loss
1: of a loved one, death mm-hmm. of a loved one, um, but it's actually very a lot more complex than that. It's the psychological experience, it's the emotional experience, it's the cultural experience of a loss of any kind.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and you know I've noticed when people really go through a loss, like you said, whether it's you know something a loved one or something else, that there can even be a real physical experience that so it's almost like this yeah like you said the psychological you know the cognitive psych that experience and then the emotional the social but then also even the physical it can actually even change people's appetite and the way that uh, they feel about food or their ability to maybe even get out of bed in the morning and that sort of thing so
1: even spiritual Um, a lot of people going through the grieving process of god why is this happening right um, that often we think about applies to the death of a loved one, but also with the pandemic and why society like this, a lot of existential questions have mm. arise. I've talked to, even I had a client today, very, very hopeless because of these existential issues. So it definitely also impacts the spiritual aspect of, of our lives.
0: Absolutely. So now that we're kind of connecting these dots, let's bring it back to thinking about, yeah, these stressors, I mean... All these losses. Tell me a little more about your thoughts, how that connects with with grief than what we're dealing with kind of as a society right now related to the pandemic.
1: Yeah. And this first came up uh, when I was seeing a lot of grief symptoms in mm-hmm. clients and even friends and others. And grief often gets confused with depression, um, but grief is very situational, right? It's specific to um, whatever you're grieving the loss of versus depressions more general. And since I started seeing these symptoms, uh, it looks like grief, but they didn't lose a loved one. You start realizing, okay, this is tied to the loss of other things. And we can further elaborate on that by looking at the different types Mm. of grief and of losses. And I found this really interesting because when I was working with veterans, I remember um, when talking about trauma, um, there was a lot of Definitions of well, how do you define trauma itself? And one of the things that came up was kind of controversial in the trauma research was miscarriages. Hmm. Um, is miscarriage um, identified as a trauma, as a death? And that's really related to losses because there's things that they call disenfranchised losses. Hmm. So these are losses that are not recognized or acknowledged by society. It's not deemed as quote unquote a loss.
0: Interesting.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So these are it sounds like things that other people might be like, well, that shouldn't be that big of a deal, but to a lot of people, it could be a really big deal. And I've actually, yeah, I've definitely talked with people personally and also patients who have had those sorts of losses, whether it was like a miscarriage or maybe an abortion, Mm -hmm. you know, and those can really be difficult for people to deal with. And, and it seems like, until some of those things are resolved, they actually can't really move on in a really healthy way in their life, and they yeah. often stay stuck. And like you said, then we see these depressive symptoms being manifest, and we're like, oh, major depression. But in fact, if people stopped and really dealt with the underlying grief issue, then they could often get a lot better.
1: Yes, And so there's disenfranchised losses, right? Those that are not acknowledged. And then Mm -hmm. there's also what we call ambiguous losses, losses that we don't really define as losses. So to give an example of that would be if we have a family member that's struggling with Alzheimer's, Mm -hmm. that's a loss because although they're physically still present, I'm losing the connection that Mm -hmm. I have with them. And so some people are like, no, your father's still living or your mother's still living but it's still a loss. It's an ambiguous, kind of in a limbo state of loss.
0: Yeah. And and those losses can often be very confusing, I think, for people mm-hmm. because it's kind of like, like you said, okay, they're still there, but it's not really my dad anymore or my mom anymore because they're so different than what they used to be.
1: hmm And you notice that for both circumstances, disenfranchised or ambiguous, it's delaying the grieving process. Mm-hmm. Like you mentioned with maybe people think it's depression or they just ignore it completely. And if we don't acknowledge it, then that doesn't allow us to start the grieving process. So related to COVID, then a lot of these are either disenfranchised or ambiguous.
0: Yeah. And we're
1: not recognizing them as losses. Right. And therefore a lot of us have been grieving throughout this entire pandemic. And unaware of it,
0: yeah. And I've even talked to some people that have gotten COVID and then gotten over it, and then they have the long haulers COVID, where they have these ongoing symptoms, and and that really does seem to fit kind of some of this, where it's it's a bit ambiguous because no one's really defined it, and or mm-hmm. is this from long term COVID or is this from something else? And and it's just a lot of confusion mm-hmm. that I think can compound and really almost make grief more complex.
1: Yeah. I'm curious, Dr. Bynes. do you have any clients or patients that you've seen that you think uh, maybe haven't identified the losses that they've experienced through COVID?
0: I definitely think so. and And, you know, it kind of goes back to your point that a lot of times people are like really struggling with these negative emotions and then it's easy to kind of paint it as depression. But as we're having this conversation, I'm sitting here thinking, hmm, yeah, that's something I really need to take time and be intentional and look at with my patients and be like, okay, you know, is, is all of this really just depression that's coming out of the blue for no, or is it actually related to a lot of the changes and the existential crises or just the stress of trying to figure out the truth and all of this that's happening for people?
1: What I find interesting um, is some of my clients that are, you know, older and elderly they're really struggling with the grief of grieving America as they know it. Yeah. That's been interesting to see as a clinician.
0: Absolutely. And I was actually going to mention that as well, because I see that time and time again. And it's especially that gen- generation that was alive around World War II and shortly thereafter. They, they, they look at the country right now and they're like, this is not mm-hmm. the country that I know. This is so different. And it really, is, is is rattling them, I think, in a lot of ways. And that's hard for people to really wrap their minds around. Yeah. Now, one question I have for you is, you know, cause, because there can be this confusion between grief and depression, as you work with people, how do you try to kind of sort out like, okay, how much is this just, is just like part of the depressive disorder that's worsening versus how much is it from grief? I mean, are there good ways to kind of help tease that out?
1: Yeah, good question. I think... Generally, timelines really help for me. Of uh, Okay, when did you first start noticing these symptoms or these changes? Uh, for a lot of people, they recognize the changes, like functional changes. Oh, I'm not sleeping as well. I'm not concentrating. I can't work as well. Um, and so figuring out when that started. So a lot of people are like, oh, that started before covid Mm -hmm. and then it got worse during i can't really say after we're still in it during covid and then there's some people who say you know i I was functioning really well um i have one client i'm thinking of she's no concerns whatsoever Hmm. and then very clearly pandemic hit and a lot of these emotional concerns and even when you hear the person talk about their stressors it's typically only related to COVID mm-hmm. versus depression. It's oh my family conflict or my work conflict. Um, some that are just more general to their life mm-hmm. as a whole.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I really like what you're saying as far as trying to look at that that time period, then also the specific complaints that people are really dealing with and, and kind of looking at what are what are the thoughts that they're thinking about? Are they thinking about, you know, America and how it's so different or like trying to wrestle with like, what is truth or, you know, the 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 loss of the job changes and how that's impacted them. And so it seems like there's a lot of actually cognitive therapy elements that can be helpful to really teasing some of this out.
1: And I realize even my approach is different in the sense of, A lot of times with depression, when you have a lot of negative thoughts and a lot of general negative thoughts, you're really providing a lot of psychoeducation about what types of thought patterns those are and then addressing it um, in a very general way. Here are some skills and you can apply it in the different areas versus with a lot of the grief or related to COVID. um, It's not necessarily just trying to reframe thoughts. A lot of it's acceptance. Mm. It's not even reframing the thought. The thought is true it's accepting the loss.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. And, and since you bringing up acceptance, so why don't we kind of transition into some things that we can actually do to deal with, cope with grief in a healthy way, because I think that it's one thing to identify it, right? Okay. I'm sad. I'm grieving, but what do we do with that? Are there healthy ways and unhealthy ways to grieve? And how do we actually make sure we're on the right track once we've identified that we have something to grieve.
1: Yeah. So we, I like to think about three A's, kind of keep it simple, things that we can remember, triple A. Uh, <laughs> the first one is accept. The second one is allow. And then the last one is adapt. And so we'll probably break down each one a little bit more. But, um, with accept is kind of what we're talking about is part of this podcast. And, uh, yeah, part of this podcast episode today is helping us accept, right? Is to acknowledge, oh, I am grieving. Mm-hmm. And even for those who are listening to start thinking about what are the ways in which they're specifically grieving? What Have they grieved the loss of a job? Have they grieved the loss of a even a family member as well due to COVID? Um, what are your specific uh, losses and thinking about that and then accepting it? Because that's really the first step. If you don't accept it, you're not going to actually be able to start adapting from that loss
0: yeah and I really appreciate that because I think sometimes I've even been tempted as as a Christian to say you know what I shouldn't have any grief because you know this is actually a sign that uh, you know God Jesus is going to come back soon and I should be really happy and while that's true on one hand I don't think there's an element there let me put it this way I don't think it's it's wrong to still have some, some grief, Mm -hmm. even though we know that, you know, some of these signs are telling us that time is, is ending and all of this. So, so I think that acceptance, and I'm really personalizing this right now for me is it's, it's important to realize like it's okay to, to grieve, even though they're, Potentially is a silver lining here and I don't need to be in denial and feel like a bad Christian or something because I'm saddened by some of the things that I'm seeing going on around me.
1: Yeah, I always tell my clients don't jump too quickly to the reframe or to the silver lining. It's okay to be in that moment with the grief, sitting with it, especially because if you think about it, grief is actually a blessing. They say those who hurt deeply love deeply. Mm. And so whenever you're grieving something, it's showing you that it's something of value. Right? You had something of value to grieve about. So if it's a job, I'm grieving the loss of a job I really enjoyed. That's a blessing. If it's somebody that I love, I was able to connect with someone and love someone deeply that I hurt deeply as well. And So not jumping too quickly and just accepting, okay, I'm grieving and that it's it's okay.
0: Thank you, Katie. You're a good therapist. I feel a lot better already.
1: <laughs> Is there something you want to talk about specifically, Dr. Wynes?
0: <laughs> yeah. But but like you said, you know, these are really are good things, you know, mm-hmm. that we are often uh grieving. Like, I mean, for example, it's like it was good when we were able to more freely like shake hands and um interact without masks and all of that. And so even though, of course, there's a silver lining ahead of us, which we're going to talk about here shortly, I think grieving some of these things that are like, you know, it's sad to see some of these things that were really good that we don't have the same way anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, let's go ahead and move on to the second A. And if I'm remembering correctly, that's adapt. Is that allow. correct? Allow. Oh, oh no. <laughs> the third one was it. Ad- <laughs> you already want to go to the yeah, silver see, lining. That's the problem. <laughs> All right. So, so with, you know, us guys, we're always problem solvers. We want to jump to, to the <laughs> solution right away. So, okay. So you said it was, so the first one was accept and then allow. Okay. Yes. So tell me more about allow.
1: So allow is kind of what we were leaning towards already is give yourself permission, allow yourself to mm. grieve. Mm-hmm. So accept the grief, I'm grieving, then allow, give myself permission to grieve.
0: Now, what does that look like? I mean, does that mean I should just sit around and cry for a couple of days and allow myself to just, you know, have tears and all of that, or can that look different for different people? I mean, what does that look like?
1: Yeah, it definitely does look different for different people. Um, but basically it's, If that emotion comes up for you, not chewing it away, not suppressing it, allow it. If that comes up as tears, cry, right? Mm. If it's comes up in conversation, you want to talk about it with somebody, talk about it. Um, but it's not trying to invalidate your experience. It's not trying to say, oh, it's not important or I'm being dramatic or it, it's an ambiguous loss. So it doesn't matter. No, However it's coming up for you, allow for yourself to express it, um, including um, if it comes up as anger, you know, how, if I allow myself to express the underlying sadness, mm-hmm. then that's actually going to help in actually reducing the anger, which often it results in as a way of like exploding yeah. um, your emotions.
0: Yeah. And I, and I like that because I think sometimes we're like, okay, sadness is okay. Anger is not okay. Mm-hmm. Anxiety is not, you know, it's like. But I, th- I think it's important for us to actually identify those emotions that are coming up, allowing ourselves to feel them, but then channeling them in a in a healthy way. Instead of like mm-hmm. with anger, for example, we, we don't want to be destructive, but constructive mm-hmm. with with our anger. And I'm reminded even thinking about that, you know, the Bible even talks about be angry, but do not sin, right? Mm-hmm. And it even talks about God being angry sometimes. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think in the grieving process, what I've seen people go through is sometimes they just vacillate between different mm-hmm. emotions. It can be sadness at one moment. And then sometimes it can be, you know, a sense of anger. Um, sometimes it's more of almost a sense of like hopelessness. And, and, you know, sometimes it's like this resignation, like, okay, well, I just have to accept it and, and move on. But going, allowing yourself, there's a value, I think, in allowing ourselves to experience it. Cause if we just, I mean, what do you think happens if you just stifle these emotions and suppress them?
1: Explosion. So our body tries one way or another to express it. So if you don't do it naturally, it'll come out as somatic symptoms, so very physical bodily symptoms. Some people Mm. will say, oh, I have an upset stomach or I found myself um, having a lot of muscle tension. Or it'll come out in other ways that can be destructive, as you mentioned. Mm -hmm. And so allowing it to come up as it comes up, um, helps it to naturally flow. Um, it's like if you think about like a dam, right? You're holding back Mm -hmm. pressure is being built up versus allowing for the water to naturally flow.
0: That makes sense. One, one thing that uh, one of, one of our um, colleagues Karen Nicholas, she's a great grief coach. And one of the things she always has emphasized again and again in, in encouraging people to grieve in a healthy way is, uh, by journaling. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed that even for me too, when I'm having a hard time like working through a, an issue or an emotion that sometimes when you put that pen to the paper, there's emotions and thoughts and things that come out that you didn't really realize were there or knew mm-hmm. how to express, and have you have you found that journaling and having your clients do that uh, or even you personally is that something that you've seen helps as well?
1: Oh, a 100%. Definitely. For multiple reasons. Um a lot of times grief can be confusing, so just putting your thoughts to paper and organizing it and looking and, and reflecting on it, it's really helpful. Um that also helps with the full expression as we mentioned, right? Just getting it all out versus and sometimes with our thoughts it's they're kind of in a circular motion and we're not really being able to kind of slow them down and journaling helps slow them down, have clarity, reflection, and then expression.
0: Yeah. So that's something that I would really encourage our listeners, you know, if you're sitting there saying, yeah, I've been, I'm not really sure. And I think I do now see that I have had some losses, you know, just start writing about it. And Mm -hmm. though you don't need to it's not for anyone else, you know, you don't even need to keep it, but sometimes just putting that pen on paper and allowing yourself to express, you can connect and understand yourself in a whole other way. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get to that final. So let's see if I can remember now. So yeah. <laughs> accept, allow, and adapt, right? Yes. Okay. So tell us more about the adaptation process.
1: So a part of the acceptance and allowing is really Adapting is saying, okay, reality is I have lost XYZ, right? I have lost a family member, I have lost that job or that sense of routine, or even as a society, we've lost this sense of truth or certainty or whom we can trust. And while we accept that, it's saying, okay, how do I start living my life that reflects that acceptance? Um, so for example, a lot of people will if they try to suppress their emotions or, you know, they try to not think about that loss, they actually will try to live in a way that doesn't acknowledge that that loss has actually taken place. Mm -hmm. Um, so for example, with the loss of a loved one, right, they might still be, um, I'm trying to think of an example here. Um, they might still be doing certain things, um, planning for certain things when, without finally taking the step of, okay, this person is no longer here. Mm. I need to start adapting to my new life without it.
0: Making some changes Making some that changes. are related to the the loss that you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking even like with a, a job or you know, the way that we have to deal interpersonally instead of just being like, no, I'm not going to change. I'm just going to keep doing it the way that I've always done it. That Mm -hmm. could actually be maladaptive Mm -hmm. and cause maybe conflict with other people, or maybe it could actually just make you very inefficient in what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And so, Um, yeah, I can understand how how adapting and having that malleability, that flexibility is really important.
1: Especially because I think some people, when they start allowing themselves to grieve, they're concerned that they're going to stay in that grief. So if I'm crying, I'm going to be crying and crying and crying and crying. There's a time to allow, and then there's a time to adapt. So it's the, I'm expressing. And as I express, I'm starting to have healing. And then the next step is really pushing myself to adapt to that loss.
0: Mm-hmm. So yeah, as, as people adapt to kind of a new way of life, um, what other elements do you think can help people get into that mode of change that's a healthy change and, and really um, yeah, living their life despite the, the loss? And I don't like the term, you know, let's just move on. But I think, you know, moving forward with your life in a healthy mm-hmm. way.
1: Yes. And I'm glad that you mentioned that because one thing that often gets in the way of adapting is thinking that adapting means forgetting. So move on is forgetting about that loss, mm. but it's not, it's moving forward is actually taking that loss, saying that relationship that I had, that job that I had, um, the way that I used to view society, that can actually fuel my future and the decisions that I make and the way that I choose to live life. And so it's not that loss doesn't become a loss; it mm-hmm. actually um, actually creates opportunities for the future to live a more meaningful life
0: and to learn, right, and to grow. And I really like that. And I'm I'm thinking about you know going back to our classic loss and grief idea of losing a person. Uh, you know, one one thing that um, Karen Nicola often brings up is this idea of turning grief into gratitude. And mm-hmm. of course, you're sad. That, that person is no longer there and you can't experience life in the same way with them and all of this. But there's so much more to focus on, like, wow, you know, it was amazing that I had that, those experiences with that person. And then also the whole idea of like, okay, uh, maybe that person was really kind or caring. And, I, and so I want to foster that in my own life, you know? So I think there's so much. And, and of course, we're talking about other types of losses. And, but I think even in that, There's ways to find the silver lining, to find things to be grateful for, which I think is huge when it comes to adapting.
1: Yeah. So I often just have a moment with my clients to say, well, what were the blessings of that loss? Mm. They kind of look at me a little strange initially. Uh But for example, with COVID, uh, when I was going through the loss of my own routine and um, before I went back to work, I remember... Uh, I was on a run and I saw kids and their families outside playing Frisbee or, you know, playing in the sprinklers, doing different things. And I run that route every single day. And so before COVID, you never saw that. Hmm. And I just saw tons of families and I thought, wow, this is a blessing. Although there's the loss of jobs, unfortunately, yes, it's a loss accepting that at the same time, it's not a, but it's an, and At the same time, Wow there are some people that have been able to experience even greater connection
0: with their loved
1: ones and more time to spend with their loved ones. Again, they didn't want that time because they're out of a job, but at the same time, we could still see blessings as a result of the loss.
0: Absolutely. And that reminds me actually of another big blessing that I've seen in my own life and also in the lives of friends, family, and, and patients. And that is actually related to like you, we talked about this existential aspect, you know, a lot of people through everything that's all the upheaval, including myself, it's led us to say, okay, I need to dig deep here and really look at where is my foundation? Yeah. You know, am I on a solid foundation, uh, spiritually speaking? Like, do I, I have a sense of peace despite all the chaos that's going on around me, um, you know, is it well with my soul, so to speak? How is my connection with God? Where can I find that strength to make it through? And and I, and I think that you know, when we go through suffering, and I love how Victor Frankel really, he you know, he talks about how life is really full of suffering, but that as we wrestle with difficult things in life, like the situation we're dealing with in on the world level, that it actually helps us to grow, and it can help us to grow. More spiritually we can also even strengthen our bonds and our relationships with one another. And I think it really helps us to kind of prioritize like what's really important in life. Mm-hmm. And, and so there is a lot to be thankful for yeah. despite the hardships.
1: I love how he says, so for those who maybe don't know, Dr. Viktor Frankl, he was a survivor of concentration camps and he says to live is to suffer. To make meaning or to survive, and sometimes I like to say to thrive, is to make meaning of the suffering. Mm. And so the reality is there's always going to be suffering. There's always going to be grief, grief of many different types of losses. But what differentiates people from just staying in grief versus thriving from grief are those who take the opportunities to make meaning of those losses.
0: Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Katie, for taking the time to share your words of wisdom on dealing with grief in the midst of a pandemic. And I want to encourage our, our listeners to really, you know, be willing to acknowledge when, you know, you are grieving under, and, and once you identify those things, we really want to think about, you know, those three A's, and okay, here's my my own quiz now. <laughs> so and 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 see, adapt is the one that comes to mind, but that's the last one. So let's see, it's it's uh, accept, it's allow, and adapt. Whew,
1: was, <laughs> you passed. I, I passed. Okay.
0: <laughs> so so remember those three A's, and we really can find wonderful good things even in the midst of grief but it doesn't mean we have to be happy all the time in the process allow yourself you know to experience those emotions work through it and through the process we can all experience healing and actually growth even though it can be a big challenge So if you only take one thing away from today's show remember this if mental illness is a whole person problem then it must have a whole person solution I'm Dr Daniel Binus
1: And I'm Dr. Katie Elson, and you've been listening to
0: The The Brain People Podcast.
1: Thanks for listening. To hear more episodes, find us on social media or support us financially, visit thebrainpeoplepodcast.com.